A very good evening and welcome along to this edition of Gospel for You. Our theme this evening is Rock and Fortress. Our core scripture is Psalm 18 verse 22 and we'll also be using 2 Samuel chapter 22, starting off with Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Now these were words of David as indeed words of David from Second Samuel chapter 22. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my saviour. From violent people you save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swelled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanliness of my hands he has rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God, or his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him, and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanliness in his sight. To the faithful you show yourself faithful, to the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure, but to the devious you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help I can advance against the troop. With God I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. 
your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet, so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely, and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I pounded and trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from their attacks of the peoples. You have preserved me as the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exhort be God, the rock, my saviour. He is the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exhorted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you, Lord. Among the nations I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. What an amazing word about God, my rock. God who is David's rock and his fortress. And God can be that to us too. Well, let's now think about what else we've got coming up in the program. We've got your gospel in Italian, Romanian and Hebrew. We're going to be hearing a testimony from Richard Gordon and he's in conversation with Heart of the Matter team. And we're hearing from Fergus Buchan on the subject of rewards or to come in this program. Let's now hear the first of your gospels in Italian. Perché Dio ha tanto amato il mondo che ha dato il suo unigenito figlio, affinché chiunque crede in lui non perisca, ma abbia vita eterna. Welcome everyone. It's great to be with you once again. Heart of the Matter, the program that makes its way to you every week and is a mixture of conversation and music and we hope you will enjoy it and we hope you will stay with us throughout the hour. We give a very warm welcome to you, whoever you are and wherever you are. And we know that many people listen to this programme around the world, Canada. We've had uh, acknowledgements from as far away as Australia and Nepal. So even if you're right here in Midlothian, you're welcome. Now, our special guest today is a man called Richard Gordon. So Richard, welcome to Heart of the Matter. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Well, it's our privilege to have you on board. Now, Richard Gordon, especially the Gordon part, that's a very Scottish name, Richard. So I take it that going back several generations, there's a whole lot of Gordons there. Yes, several generations ago, left these shores and went off to India. Now, this was several generations ago. I think it's about four or five generations ago. Correct. Which is a long time ago. A long time. And your great-grandfather went from these shores to India. That's correct. So why did he do that? Joined the British Army. Britain needed military personnel out in India. Right. So he left Scotland, went with the British Army, and helped to support the great British Raj in India. In India. Is that right? That's correct. Where about in India did he serve? What was then called Madras, now called Chennai. 
All right. Now, is Madras in the south or whereabout in India? It's in the far south of India. It's in the far south. So he spent a lifetime there, really. All his life died out there. All his life. Mm -hmm. And then his son followed in his footsteps and spent a life in India. That's correct. But he wasn't a soldier. He wasn't a soldier. Now, this is your grandfather. Yeah. And you would have known your grandfather, did you? No, he died quite young. All right. Now, often in these countries, people who are really of European, Scottish origin, there were diseases and so on. They weren't always just the healthiest places. Was that a problem for your great-grandfather? I don't quite know what he died of. I don't think it was a tropical disease. Right. Okay. And then your father... He spent a lifetime in India. He spent a lifetime, well, not quite a lifetime, uh-huh. early life in India. Well, that's absolutely remarkable, you know, to have that long trace of ancestry that uh, was involved in life yeah. in India in various ways. Indeed. Now, your father was involved with the government in India. I think it was tax. He was yes, in... he was in customs and central excise. Right. And as part of that, he got moved around rather a lot. Frequently, on average, every two years. Every two years. So tell us some of the places then that he served in India. Well, starting off in Maharashtra, quite a lot of small villages. Now, where about is Maharashtra? On the west coast. It's on the west coast. And then moved up the coast to Gujarat, where Mahatma Gandhi came from. All right. And then moved inland to other states in India. And up in the north near the Himalayas? Yes, right up where Darjeeling is in the Himalayas. The Rolls Royce of teas? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And did he get down to the south of India as well? Uh, One occasion for two years. Well, that's remarkable. And of course, you being his son, you were taken on a lot of these, if not all of these jaunts. That's right. I went to boarding school because we were moved Uh so frequently. Uh And often I went home to a different location. Right. Well, that must have been quite kind of disturbing in its way, but probably quite an adventure too. Yes, it was an adventure. It was an interesting adventure because it used to sometimes take us three days and two nights on the train to get to school. My goodness. My goodness. Three days and two (laughs) nights just to get to school. But I can see that the choice that your parents had to make, and of course it wasn't only you, there was a brother and a sister. That's correct. There were three of you. They were, they were only 11 months apart, so right. they went right through school in right. the same class. So the, the choice that your parents had when it came to education, really, was to have their family with them all the time, but every two years moving you from one school to another. Correct. So if there was to be any kind of continuity in your education, I suppose... Boarding school was the only answer? A must. Where was the boarding school then that you attended? The boarding school was down in the Blue Mountains called the Nilgiris in a place called Uti at 7,500 feet. Oh, that's pretty high, 7,500 feet. Yeah. So it would be pretty cool away up in the hills. It was pleasantly cool, certainly Uh during the hot summers. And actually it sounds as if it might have been quite a beautiful area as well. It was, Mm. because the monsoon, that was the first part of India that the monsoon would strike. And uh, usually we got about 120 inches of rain a year. My goodness. That was a wonderful place to go to school. It was. And there you were with your brother and your sister. Yes. And you're you're learning all about algebra and everything else. Absolutely. That's the thing. 
Now, the name of this school, in fact, there were two schools, were there not? There was there not one for boys and one and for girls? In those days, it was single-sex education. They kept the boys and girls 13 miles apart. 13 miles? 13 miles. Oh, that was safe. Yeah. <laughs> the boys went to Breeks Memorial School no, and the girls no. went to Hebron. The girls went to a school called Hebron and the boys went to a school called Breeks. Yes. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Was the school called Breeks because of the boys wearing Breeks? Well, the boys did wear Breeks, but it was actually named after a man. Oh, there was, there was a man <laughs> called Mr. Breeks. Uh, yes. <laughs> and did you ever meet him? No, he had died long before. Oh, he was gone. And so this school was raised in memory of him? Yes. So what had he done in India then, Mr. Breeks? He worked in local government. He uh -huh. was one of the administrators of that particular area. Right. So here are the two schools, which I think subsequently became one school. They're now amalgamated. Under the title of Hebron. Hebron, and it moved up to Uti. Maybe you can understand why they chose Hebron over Breeks, but never yes. mind. Hebron it is. Now, this was a school where all of the teaching was in English language. It was. And it was there also for a particular purpose, wasn't it? Tell us a wee bit about the schools that became one school. The main purpose of the school was because a lot of missionaries were in India and their children needed to be educated. That was the ideal place. It was nice and cool. And the missionaries would come up during the hot summer and stay for perhaps four to six weeks. Right, during the summer. Yeah. So rather than the children go for holidays, going away for holidays, the parents came. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's an interesting reversal, isn't it? Rel relief from the heat of the yeah. plains. Yes. So it was a school with a Christian ethos. It was a Christian ethos. Uh -huh. Some of the teachers were missionaries uh -huh. from various countries in the world. But it was open to everyone. It was. Uh -huh. Now, when you were quite a young lad, about 11 or so, you had an experience of God in your life. So tell us about that. That's Richard. right. During the early part of 1954, we used to have a mini Keswick convention in India with some of the Keswick speakers. Now, and what's a Keswick convention? What's the Keswick convention is where a whole lot of Christians come together and they have well-known speakers to come and teach God's Word. Right. And did this take place while you were at school? While we were at school. Right. Principally when the missionaries came up for their holidays. Okay. So your parents were there as well then? No, my parents couldn't take holidays. Right. Oh, they were still off working. <laughs> yeah. Mm, too bad. Tell uh, us about this gathering then. And we used to have prayer meetings. And it was, I suppose, in a sense, strange. But during one of the prayer meetings... I decided to commit my life to the Lord Jesus. Now, you were obviously quite a young fellow. I think you were about yes, 11, 11, 11 or so. Some people might say, well, you know, children can have an emotional attachment to things and maybe not least to the Christian faith. But your experience has been deeper and longer than that, hasn't it? Yes. My parents had trusted the Lord in their 20s, taken Jesus as their saviour, and... Uh, as a consequence, when they got married, they were bringing up their family in the knowledge that uh, they were teaching them the, their Bible and uh, trusting that the family would follow in their footsteps. Okay. Now, you carried on at school then? Yes. As a young 
Christian fellow. You come through your teens and into your 20s. You've never really looked back from that. I mean, clearly your understanding of the Christian faith has developed. Yes. But you would trace it back to that beginning. Yes, mm-hmm. trace it, certainly trace it back to that beginning. Thankful for a good foundation that my parents gave me and also uh, one of the teachers, history teacher at school who was our Bible class leader, an excellent, excellent teacher. Your memories of school then will be good ones. My memories are excellent. That's good. It's not everyone that can say that, you know. No. So that's great. Now this school, which has influenced the life of a good many people, I mean hundreds of young people over the years that it's been running, they had a, a centenary celebration, didn't they? They did. You managed to get out there and join Yes. In they invited, in 1999, they invited former staff and pupils to visit for centenary celebrations of 10 days and 120 of us flew out on the back of a jumbo jet from Heathrow Airport. 120 from the UK alone? From the UK alone. Of former pupils? That's right. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, it was good to see folks I hadn't seen for many, many years. But they weren't only from the UK, were they? Oh no, they came from all over the world. In total, about 450. My goodness. Not counting the ones actually resident in India. Well, that must have been some get-together. Yeah, it was wonderful. Ah, good. Well, you enjoyed that. Now, let's just pick up on your story again, Richard. Here you are, happy days at school, but they come to an end, and you've got a notion that you might like to be an engineer. Yes, I was handy with my hands. I thought I would like to be a mechanical engineer, and so I decided I would like to do a diploma in mechanical engineering. Okay. Now, engineering, of course, is connected to railways. Yes. Connected to a lot of things, but connected to railways. And one part of the legacy of the British involvement in India were the Indian railways. I mean, they still are a very important part of Indian life, aren't they? Absolutely. India couldn't do without them. The biggest employer, I think, in the world. Just imagine. Now, some people are critical of colonialism, you know, and British involvement in India. I don't think we're going to disagree about some of the shortcomings of the colonial experience, but there were a lot of good things, weren't there? There were. There were. India was given some wonderful legacies. Uh Government, democracy, railways... The uh, taxation system, many good features uh, and uh, irrigation projects which really benefited the country. Yes, and the biggest democracy in the world. Yes. Elections in India are almost miraculous, aren't they? They're so, so extensive. They are. So here you are, you are, I guess, towards the end of the British involvement and India becoming independent and so on, and you're training to be an engineer. Yes. However, you didn't find that too easy in India. Tell us about some of the problems there. No, I went to a college where there were 160 in the lecture theatre. Oh, just a minute, just a minute. 160 in one class? Yes. My goodness. Right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was the only English speaker as a first language, and the other 160 all spoke Bengali, which I didn't speak at all. Now, what was the lecturer speaking? Bengali, when he was supposed to be speaking in English. <laughs> You're in trouble here, Richard, I can <laughs> I see I was. 
the lectures are in Bengali, everyone else understands it, and you don't understand a word. No. Well, how did you get out of that fix? <laughs> By taking private tuition classes, oh. which weren't at all successful. Weren't very helpful? No. So this, I guess, was probably a year kind of treading water. Wasted. Not going anywhere. No. Well, what happened then, then, and and your way towards a career in engineering? Then my father got moved to another state where a different language was spoken. And uh, when I went to register with the college there, they said I needed a year's residency. And we realized that that was going to be a major issue. Either I had to live in a hostel, but by then my grandparents had settled in Edinburgh. This was your mother's parents. My mother's parents. Yes. I decided to come to Edinburgh and stay with them and start working here. Now, that's almost a repetition of the boarding school story, isn't it? That uh, your parents were forced to make a choice between giving you a continuous education and staying at home. That's right. And here you are again. If you're going to get an uninterrupted education, you're going to have to leave India. Yes, so that was quite an upset and quite a traumatic event. Did your brother and sister follow in your footsteps back they, to the UK? No, they didn't. <laughs> Three years after I left India, my parents went to Australia oh my with goodness. my brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> and they took your brother and sister to Australia. That's right. So you were left marooned in Scotland. Yes, but I wasn't really marooned because I had a church family plus my grandparents Right. And this church family and your grandparents were, well, obviously the church family was a, a Christian family. Yes. And your grandparents as well? Yes. Right. So you're still living out of that kind of strength, out of that support and surround. Absolutely. Yeah. So you came to Edinburgh and you came in the middle of the winter and you were frozen stiff. No, no. I came in the middle of the summer. And you were still July, frozen stiff. Well, it was <laughs> perhaps still frozen stiff, but <laughs> at least it was July. Right. Now, is that the first time you had actually been in Scotland? Very first time. Right. And at what age were you then? Twenty. Twenty. And so here you come, the home of your ancestors, long ago. What did you make of it? What did you find Scotland to be like? I enjoyed it. As I say, I was happy to be in Scotland because I knew that uh, India wasn't going to be my home. Uh -huh. Opportunities were limited. Scotland was obviously coming out of the war era. The reason my parents went to Australia was because the Australian High Commissioner said there were far greater opportunities in Australia. Uh -huh. Yes, and that was a time when there were a lot of Scottish people emigrating too. That's right. You know, to Australia and Canada and so on. Yeah. Anyhow, your ambition to be an engineer was kind of interrupted again because you took a job, didn't you? I took a job to make a living. Uh -huh. And I worked as a laboratory assistant in a, a metal manufacturing company down on New Haven Road. And what was that company called? E. Chalmers and Company. Oh, Chalmers. I'm sure some of our listeners know what you're talking about exactly. They, they probably will. It uh -huh. no longer exists. There are houses at that corner uh -huh. of Bonington Road and New Haven Road right. now. Now, you took a job and then you started to study at night. Now, this is famously a very difficult thing to do, you know, to be working during the day, studying at night. And a good friend said to you, hello, Richard, there's another way to do this. Yes, a very good friend yes. said to me, what on earth are you doing working all day 
and then studying five nights a week. He says, you'd be far better going to university. I didn't think I would have the capacity to go to university, but John convinced me. Right. And you went to Harriet Watt? And I went to Harriet Watt University. At the start of the year, it was given its uni- university charter. Very good. Oh, yes. And it was still in Chambers Street then, was it? That's correct. Uh, before it moved out to Rickerton. Yeah. Beautiful campus, that. Rickerton, it's a lovely it? campus. Yeah. So you graduated in Harriet Watt in physics, actually. In applied physics, Which yes. is, well, applied physics would be reasonably near to engineering, I suppose. Yes. So you've reached your desired haven in a way. Yeah. You started to work with ICI then? Yes, through in our dear, the old uh, explosives factory site, as a physicist. But two or three years after I started working there, they asked me whether I would like to go into engineering, and right. I took the opportunity. Right, so you're engineering at last. Yep. Now, somewhere in here, you met somebody who's been a very important impact, and you've made a very important impact in your life. Richard, and this is Helen. Yes. Tell us about how you met Helen and your family and so on. Well, Helen came to work in Edinburgh. She was a a girl from the village of Kilbarkin. She came to the same church as I was in, in Edinburgh. And after a few months, perhaps a year, we started to get to know each other better. And in 1970, we got married. We now have three daughters. Three daughters and... Grandchildren? Six, six grandchildren. Six of them. That's excellent. They live in and around, not exactly near where you live now. The eldest one lives in Troon, the middle one lives in Glasgow, right. and the youngest one lives in Bury St Edmunds. Bury St Edmunds? Yes. Oh, right. And recently the whole family, they all got together to celebrate a significant birthday of yours. Yes. Uh, and you all went to India. Uh, no, <laughs> we actually went to Darlington. Went to Darlington, and you had a great family celebration. A wonderful time. Well, that's wonderful. And in latter days, you worked in Grangemouth with BP. Yes, in '79, I decided to leave ICI and uh, applied for a job with BP at uh, Grangemouth Refinery and uh, spent the rest of my working life at Grangemouth Refinery. Right. And throughout the whole of your life, there is this kind of golden thread of Christian experience, Christian commitment. Yes. And perhaps understandably, bearing in mind your ancestry in India, you've always had an interest in Christian missionary work, haven't you? Yes, because my three best friends in India were children of missionaries. So I had that interest. My parents had the interest and perhaps... It was passed on to me, but certainly I've had that interest all my life. Mm -hmm. And you served in one of the the most influential missionary service groups that's based in Scotland for some 13 years, I think, as a trustee. As a council member and then latterly as a trustee. Yes, that interest continues to this day. Yes. Well, folks, I'm sure you're fascinated as I have been to hear about this remarkable story of of a young man who really... Going back four generations, his people had all lived and worked in India and how he lived there and enjoyed there and grew up there, but found his way back to Scotland, found a Scottish wife, has his family, and the heart of the matter for Richard is the fact that he came to know God in Christ and he's a Christian man and his family are Christian people. So it's been a privilege to hear from you, Richard, today. Thank you. 
for sharing. Now, I think there's something in the Bible that you just want to share with us. Yes, I read the Bible every day because I find it's a great source of strength. And uh, just the other day, I was reading in Acts chapter 4, and uh, this verse really struck me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And that name, of course, is Jesus Christ. Thank you for sharing, Richard. When I was very young, before I went to school, I used to ask my mother to sing a hymn which had gripped me. The title is, There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. And I didn't realise that that hymn was actually composed by a lady from Edinburgh, although she only wrote it as a poem. It was published in, I think, the Glasgow Herald, and two American evangelists, similar to Billy Graham, but of a different era, their names were Moody and Sankey. They were travelling between Glasgow and Edinburgh, and Sankey was reading the newspaper and turned to his friend Moody and said, there's this little poem in the paper, but Moody was too engrossed in reading the Bible. And so Sankey just tore it out of the paper, popped it into his pocket. When Moody was preaching in Edinburgh, he turned to his friend Sankey and said, could you sing us a solo, Sankey? Sankey wasn't prepared for this, but he thought, I've got this poem. And he propped it up on the piano and composed the music as he sang the tune. There were ninety and nine that safely lay. Că a dat pe singurul lui fiu pentru ca oricine crede în el să nu piară, ci să aibă viața veșnică. This is Gospel for You. And you've been listening in to Your Gospel in Romanian, a chat between Richard Gordon and Heart of the Matter team, and Your Gospel in Italian. Coming up still in the program, we've got... Uh, Fergus Buchan with Kingdom Come and speaking about rewards from the book of Revelation and then wrapping everything up in prayer. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Kingdom Come, our new series of teachings with me, Jess Priest, and Pastor Fergus Buchan from MMI London. Thank you all so much for tuning in and joining us again tonight. So last week's episode was on the topic of sowing the good seed. And tonight, Pastor Fergus is going to be speaking and teaching about rewards. And we're going to be in the book of Revelation, the last chapter in verse 12, where the Lord says, He is coming quickly, and my reward is with you. So without further ado, over to you, Pastor Fergus. Thank you, Jess. And good evening, everybody. Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be with you again, wherever you are in the world. We're sitting in a very cold, chilly London. It's about two degrees this morning, and uh, but I've just had a lovely hot cup of coffee, and I'm going to probably have another one just now. So we're nice and warm, but it's very cold outside. Um, I've got this, this uh, on my heart to share today. Jess opened up and she shared rewards. And I want to talk about rewards, because it's quite a serious thing, actually, if you think about rewards, and um, rewards from Jesus, not, not from me or Jess or anybody else in this world. We, love, we all love a reward, but I'm talking about um, uh, a reward in uh, eternity. So that's what I want to share with you, you brothers and sisters, today. 
But before we go any further, like we always do, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable unto thee. Father, thank you for this word you've given today, tonight, this evening, for somebody out there. Maybe you all, but for someone who would be touched and be challenged. We thank you for this word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Jess. All right, let's get into it. Let's see what the Lord's got to share with us tonight. We're going to be working in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. So if you want to follow me, go right to the back of your book. In fact, go to the last page. It's um, Revelation chapter 22. And it's one verse, but I'm going to be reading some other verses. And it's verse 12. So let's read the verse first. And then I'll, I'll share with you what I feel the Lord is sharing with us. And this is the word of God. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. All right, so, you know, this is, well, first of all, the, 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 the first sentence um, is quite alarming, Jess. Um, and behold, this is Jesus speaking, I'm coming quickly. You, you know, Oh, well, you know, I'll wait till next week. I mean, the Lord's not here yet. He could come right now as we are talking to you. He could come right now and take us home. Because he said quickly. Now, remember, God's time is not our time. So, be prepared and be ready. But that's not what I want to talk about. But that just, you know, jumps out at me there. He says, my reward is with me to give you, to do everyone according to his work. Right, so, so what, what is work? Now, I'm not talking about working in an advertising agency. I'm not talking about being a lawyer or a nurse or a doctor. I'm talking about God's work. Because that's the only reward you're going to get is what you've done for Him. Amen, Jess. Mm -hmm. you, you, because you, we, okay, now let's just back up a little bit here. You can't get into heaven by good works. Some, some uh, religions uh, preach that. Okay, yeah, that's right, yes. Um, good people don't go to heaven. Believers do. All right? How, how did we get to heaven? Well, we get to heaven because of the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice, His blood, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and believing that He died for you, and that gets you into heaven. Right? Not works. But nevertheless, if He says... If he says, my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. Say, work. Say, this is this, it's English. Here we go. The work I said is it's not the toilet cleaners, which are so important, or the rubbish bin collectors, because if they didn't take our rubbish away, we'd have a real smelly London. Right. I'm talking about, or, or a heart surgeon, right? And he, and he saves your, your loved one because your valves have changed or whatever. I'm talking about that either. I am talking maybe a bit like an evangelist, which is what I am. What work have you done, Jess? I'm looking at Jess, so she's across for the speakers to me. For his kingdom. Uh, she, she does. She, she runs our media. This girl comes into the streets. and, and Anyway, so we're not going to give her a big head today. <laughs> but she does. She, she's got a crown. She's got a reward coming. 
She's got more work to do, by the way, as, as I have. But what are you doing? What are you doing for Jesus Christ? That's what he's talking about. Do you go to church on a Sunday from 9 to 10? Um, have fellowship. Have a cup of tea and a piece of cake and go home. Bible gets closed, put on, put on a shelf, collect some dust till next Sunday. And you get on with your life. Or, or do you do you take that word that God's given you and share it with somebody else? Do you, do you go, I've got a question to ask you. And I'm, I'm, I'm believing we're going to get inundated, Jess, with good reports. My question is this. How many people did you lead Christ this week. Oh, well, um, I'm not an evangelist. No, no. I didn't say you have to be. But, but Jesus is very clear, isn't he, in, in, in the Great Commission, in Matthew and Mark. What does he say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say it's only for the evangelist or Pastor Buchan or, or, or Jess who walks very closely to me. No, no, no. He's talking about all of you. You know what's in the Bible. Go and have a look. Go and read it. It's a commandment. He didn't say, please, would you go, Jess or Fergus, or no, go, ye therefore. That's one of the rewards. It's, it's nurturing. It's, it's looking after the orphans and the widows. It's, it's taking care of old age homes. Be it in Zimbabwe. Be it in London. Be it in Uganda, Kenya. We've been to all these places. Preaching the gospel, buying with your spare cash some Bibles so that those Bibles can be given to a, a, a ministry that can be trusted and those Bibles get sent out to countries where they are sorely and badly needed. I've seen that in, with my own eyes, um, brothers and sisters. I've seen that in, uh, in, in the Sudani, Sudanese uh, refugee camps where they want the word of God and we, we gave one Bible to 50 people. They sh yeah, that's right. One Bible to 50 people. That's right. And they treasured it. But, but we in the Western world, we have everything. We can't even get your Bible off the shelf to open it and read it. It's one of the ways that you can, you can uh, you, the Lord, that could be a reward. So what, what are your rewards? Um, you, you know, what is he going to give us? I don't know. He, he, he describes heaven. My goodness, the gold streets, the mansions. The, the, the water, the, the, the trees uh, are going alongside that, that river that comes down from the temple. It, it uh, blossoms and gives fruit every month. Well, I don't know what they're going to do. I love pears. What do you like, Jess? I love berries. Berries. There we go. Strawberries. It's going to be mangoes. Oh, I come from Africa. Mangoes, guavas, oh, banana. But, but I'm going to eat of that. I know that for a fact. And so is Jess. But are you going to eat of it? Well, we don't quite understand you, Pastor Bucket. Well, let me explain it to you. Then. This is a joke. I'll tell you a story. There was a very, very wealthy woman. Let's say she lived in Belgravia. Kensington, maybe. Oh, my goodness gracious me. St. James. You that haven't been to London, this girl and I live here, you want to see those mansions. So she lived there all her life, and she eventually died. But she lived in her mansion. She looked after herself. Maybe looked after her kids. I don't know. And she died. She came to to uh, um, 
to heaven. She gave her life to Jesus. It's okay, so she gets to heaven. This is, this is the people I talk about by getting into the skin of your teeth. She gets to heaven and there's some Peter's waiting or St. Paul or one of the apostles and says, welcome, come in. Thank you very much. She says, where am I going to be staying? So he said, oh, I'll take you to your, to your home. Oh, she says, thank you very much. Now, this is this lady who wore, let's say she lived in Buckingham Palace, maybe. <laughs> so just they're walking down the streets and she sees these mansions. Jesus says mansions, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. He doesn't say a house. He doesn't say a shack. He says mansion. A mansion is an unbelievable home, according to the English dictionary. So they're walking down and she sees this place and she sees that. Oh, and she sees this name on there. Let's say um, Oswald Chambers. She goes further down and she sees Smith Wigglesworth. Wow! And she goes further down. She's just priest. Oh, that young girl. She can't wait for her place. They turn the corner. And there was the smallest dilapidated shack. And he said, There's your home. She said, it can't be my home. She's your home. She said, but I gave my life to Jesus. She said, no, you're here. You're in heaven. But I just saw those mansions. Yes, that's right. But you're giving me this. How come? And Peter said, that's all you gave me to work with. How is that for an analogy? Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen like that. No. It's a flipping good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> what are you giving Jesus to work with? Right. You know there's various crowns. One day I'll preach on crowns. And one of them is the one I'm working for, Jess. It's the crown um, of salvation or winning souls. Soul winner's crown. Now, see, there's a hierarchy in, in heaven. I'll, I'll minister on that one day. And that's the crown I want. That's, that's why this, this ministry reaches out to the lost, whether we're in crusades in Africa or whether we walk the streets of London, um, where we witness to people. Because in the book of Proverbs, it says, a wise man will souls. Mm -hmm. Okay, and going back to the Lord Jesus Christ again, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, verse 15. <clears throat> so he's going to give you a reward. Now, well, young lady, young man, Grandfather and grandmother. Um, I don't care how old you are. There's no retirement in the Bible. You work until you get called home. That, that, that's my stand. That's what I believe. Um, Martin Luther, the reformer, preached three times on Sunday, Jess, and Monday morning he passed away. So he worked up to the, yeah, the last possible moment. Oswald Chambers, you heard me mention his name. He died in Egypt, in Cairo, with a burst appendix, a peritonitis, preaching the gospel. Went home to be with Jesus. That is how I want to go home, to be with Jesus. I, I, there's no retirement for me in the Bible. There's no retirement for you. Moses walked to his own funeral. He never found his body. Remember the devil contested with uh, uh, the archangel Michael for his body. But, but okay, so, so what I'm saying... These men and women of God, and there's many, many missionaries. I've walked in Africa, I've walked past many unmarked graves of young girls, young men, 
men or women, that have gone out by faith, maybe reached one soul, maybe, but by faith they gave their lives up for Jesus Christ. And they buried in an they they are not living in an unmarked house in heaven. Let me tell you, there is one huge mansion or reward. That's sitting there. Let's just um before we start to close, let's just start to to uh, uh, tie this up here. But confirmation, I love it. Let's just go back a page to, to uh, chapter 20, verse 12. I'm going to go back two pages, sorry. 20, and uh, come forward, and verse 12. And it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. So you're going to stand before God, Jess, and so am I. Right. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So, gee, that means somebody's keeping a tabs on you and me. Yes, right. Hey, no, I didn't think of that one, actually, Jess. It jumped out at me. I better work harder next Saturday. And then... We'll go to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, which I love. We're going to chapter 40. So you go backwards now. The you that are in your Bible there, and your pages are a bit new. Go way back. It's in the middle of your Bible. Very easy to find. Just keep paging back. After, after Isaiah is Jeremiah. Okay, I'm going to Isaiah. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, verse 40. Yep. And the corresponding uh, verse is Isaiah 40, verse 10. I love doing this. And this is what the word says. Now, this is Isaiah who prophesied the Lord Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. Wow. And here he is again in Revelation. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him again you see what are you doing for jesus oh, but you don't understand pastor buck and i work very long hours or so do i don't come your excuses with me staying in Isaiah, we're going to go forward to chapter 62 yes there we go quite already and 62 verse 11 corresponding verses yeah i love the Bible. It's a prophecy, actually. That's what that means. You know that, eh? A little star there. It's not full. It's not blacked out. It's a prophecy. Oh, yeah. When you see that little star, Jess, yeah. it's black. It's been fulfilled. So remember what I said just now? He's prophes prophesying about Jesus, right? Okay, here we go. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, saying to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him. Who's he talking about? Jesus. The same one talking in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Here, he hasn't come yet. There, he's, he's arrived. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him again. I know, I know you don't serve Jesus for rewards. I, I know that. Nobody knows it better than me. I, I serve the Lord in the way he's called me to Jess is because I want to build his kingdom. I'm not interested in building an empire. 
I'm not interested in building Messiah Ministries International, which is the name of our ministry given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ in Whitfields in Bavaria many, many years ago. I'm here to grow the kingdom of God in every possible way I can. And yes, because he says it, I will get a reward. I don't want to be I don't want to be destitute. I don't want to I'll give you another story and then we're going to close, okay? Um, when I was a golf professional at uh, Springs Country Club, which is in Johannesburg, South Africa, I was the head pro, very big club. And uh, we, we had bowling greens and tennis courts and squash courts and swimming pools. And golf was the main thing, but it was big. We had over 1,500 members. And the caddy master, his name was Jockey, um, who I loved. And he loved me and loved my children. He used to look after them when we were... Mrs. Buckin or Joanne Buckin and I were busy. We trusted him. And he, he did something wrong. I, I don't know. And the manager took offense. And he apologized and, and, and fixed it. Don't ask me what he did, but he made a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake? Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. He's an honest girl. Anyway, come Christmas time. And uh, what our country club used to do was... The workers would get a, get their salary and then they'd get a bonus. A 13th check, tip, whatever. According to the head chefs, we had a beautiful restaurant. Head chefs, you know, as it goes down. And Jockey was, I don't know, like in the middle, being a caddy master. And he had to look after a whole lot of caddies. Geez, sometimes we had 150 of them there. So it was a big job. But, and he, he walked down the passageway and he, and he came up to me and he said, Mr. Buckin, I said, what's wrong with you, jockey? You don't look happy. He said, I, I went up, I was, we were all called up to the manager's office, all of us. We had a big staff there, by the way. And uh, each one got their uh, bonus. And he got in front of the manager and he said, you're getting nothing. And jockey said, but why, sir? He said, oh, because of what you did three months ago, whatever. I don't know what he did. Forget to lock the doors. I don't know, something like that. But he said, sir, it was an accident. She's getting nothing. So Jockey now is in front of all his colleagues. And he walked away. How are you going to feel when the Lord said, I've got nothing for you? Mm. In front of everybody. You're in heaven. So you're in heaven. That's fine. You got there. Only because you, you gave your life to Jesus. Okay. I've got nothing for you, Jess. Sorry, Mongo. So Jockey walked away, came downstairs, and that's what I saw. And it touched me. And I said, did you apologize to the manager for that mess up you made? I knew what he did, by the way. So I did, sir. Now, this is December. That man worked really, really hard for 12 months. And he made a mistake. Yeah. I couldn't handle that, man. Now, I wasn't a Christian then, Jess. But I always was a man of integrity. I'm not bragging, by the way, but I am. You can ask Mrs. Buckin. I'll be married to her for 43 years. And I, I, I couldn't handle this. So I said, yeah, okay. I didn't say anything to him. And I marched upstairs and I got that manager on the carpet. And I said, you know, this man, blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, you're probably right, Fergus. I've made a mistake. Thank goodness the manager yeah. did understand. And I sent Jockey back upstairs and he got his bonus. So we have an advocate too, don't we? Yeah. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So brothers and sisters, that reward, I've given you three examples of it. There's more, there's more in there. Um, um, 
There's more in there talking about rewards. But these are three massive ones because we're talking about the prophecy of Jesus. We're talking about his fulfilling. We're talking about him at the end in the last page, in the last chapter. I'm coming quickly with my rewards. Come on. Let's get working. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for the work that we have been called to set about. Father, show us the way. Give us the spirit of faith. Give us, give us courage. Let us go out and reach the lost. Let us go out and make a difference to the orphans and the widows. Let us go out, Father God, and, and help those that are needy, those that are sick. Father God, because you said, I'm coming quickly, and I'm bringing my rewards with me. So, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this opportunity to share this word with people all around the world. That one day, Jess and I will only see in heaven. We thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, till next week, God bless you all, and uh, keep safe. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Fergus, for sharing with that with us. And thank you to everyone that tuned in tonight. If any of you have any questions or prayer requests, please send them in to our new prayer email address. Um, and it's mmi.londonprayer at gmail.com. So we'll see you all next week. And don't forget to tune in and join us every Wednesday at 8pm. Until then, God bless. This is Gospel for You. And our theme today has been Rock and Fortress. We've heard from Fergus Buchan talking about rewards from the book of Revelation. Our core theme for this evening is Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And we're going to bring this and Second Samuel verse 22 into prayer now. To pray for extra understanding is how it can relate to ourselves. Always, even as believers, when we come to God's word, we can actually find new insights from that. Uh, so it's always useful to pray about it, not just for ourselves, but perhaps even for yourselves, the listener. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord, for this theme, Rock and Fortress. And Lord God, even as I might read through this, this time and for another time, and Lord, you always bring fresh insight. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring insight, but you would also bring clarity for those who do not yet know you as Lord and Saviour. How you could be their Lord and Saviour too. And how you have been through the ages a rock and fortress for each person who has relied on you from David to Isaiah to Jeremiah to the Lord himself you are our rock and fortress thank you heavenly father for this amen now listeners we want to give you the opportunity to accept uh, Christ as your Lord and Saviour and for that it simply means that we come before God we ask for his forgiveness while confessing the things that we have done wrong and ask him into our lives to be our Lord and Saviour asking him also for his help to be the person that he wants us to be if you're ready please do pray with me 
Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God, I come before you today. I confess everything that I have done, thought or said which is wrong and not pleasing to you also for those things I should have done but have not done. Please forgive me. With your help, I now turn from these things and ask you to come into my life by your Spirit to be my Lord and Saviour forever. Please help me to be the person you want me to be. Amen. Now, if you've said that prayer, welcome to God's kingdom. Welcome to God's family. And you can start by taking up the Bible. If you have a Bible in your house, please take it down off the shelf. Use it every day. Read God's word. Pray into God's word for your understanding. Do please let us know that you have done this and you can send us an email through to info at g4g.org.uk. Now, listeners, I have to confess, I'm not really sure uh, quite what's going to happen from now on. Uh, Only that I'm having to wait on God before we make another program. And we're hoping that we're going to be able to continue to uh, make these programs uh, to make the gospel known to you. We're going to be finishing with your gospel in Hebrew and followed by a soundtrack. We could call it a mindfulness soundtrack and it's of a blackbird which was recorded on a walk that both Helen and I enjoyed. Uh, We heard this lovely blackbird with other birds as well and just the wind in the trees. We hope that you will enjoy it. Thank you for having stayed with us over this time and we look forward with God's help to bringing more programs to you in the future. God bless and bye-bye for now. Ki ko ahav Elohim et haolam ad ki natan et bno yechido leman lo yovad kol hamaamin bo ela inchal chayei olam.